Hallelujah. Oh man, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Man, you stir up that environment. Oh man, I'm telling you, when you come to this church, you are going to have an encounter with God. You're going to have an encounter with God and you're going to take it home with you. You're going to take it to the workplaces with you. You're going to carry that encounter with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You're going to get experience. You're going to get equipped in Jesus name. And you're going to walk out there and lives are going to change. Communities are going to change. The workplace is going to change. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. You know, in the military, I was praying, praising with the Lord. The Holy Spirit reminded me of this. In the military, we have what's called a banner, right? We have what's called a guide on, but we also have what's called a banner. Man, and on that banner, every time you as a group, you as a unit do something, you get a streamer on that banner. And when you get the most streamers, you get to be the head of all the other guys in the army. You get to be the first one that lines up. You're the first ones in the chow hall. So when you, you know, you get those streamers and you work for them and then, man, don't you know it says something when you walk into a room and that banner's before you. Well, we got Jehovah Nissi. Nissi. We've got Jehovah Nissi. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. The Lord is our banner. He is our banner. I'm telling you, when Jesus walked into the room, devils went crazy. That glory of God was on them. It's called command presence in the military. Man, when the general walks in, we knew it was a general. You could just tell because that command presence was on them. When you walk into a room, there is a command presence that's on you in the name of Jesus. If you'll just listen to the Holy Spirit, that banner is there. It's shining. That banner goes before you, man. Those streamers of healing, those streamers of the blessing are on there. I'm telling you, when you walk into that room, it's there in the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. All you guys pump me up. I love you guys. What a beautiful body of believers here. What a wonderful body of believers here who come here on a Wednesday night, who take time out of their Wednesday night to come in here and celebrate with the Lord, to celebrate and get rooted and grounded in faith. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, this is just powerful stuff, man. Powerful. You guys are awesome. You're awesome in the name of Jesus. Well, we're talking about faith. Hallelujah. I get excited when we talk about faith. Because it talks about no faith, little faith, great faith, exceeding faith. It talks, you know, he wrote a letter, Paul wrote a letter to the Thessalonians. And he said, man, you know, your faith exceeds exceeding faith, right? And so I get excited. That means the ball's in my court. Hey, who wants the ball at the last second, man? Michael Jordan loved to have the ball at the last second. He wasn't afraid to have Hey, the ball is in our court, man. It's in our court. You know, the Lord doesn't sit up in heaven and make us try to live, and he just sits there and laughs as we struggle. No, no, no. The Lord has set this universe up so that we can live and operate on a level like him in this created universe that he has designed so that we can operate, speak, and live on a level just like the Father. Hallelujah. That is just an awesome, wonderful, glorious thing that the Holy Spirit has done for us and the Lord has done for us and how he works through it. Man, get excited. He's given us the measure of faith. I mean, we have... A measure. That Greek word is metron, right? Measure. It is when you get born again, you get a measure of his faith. Imagine that. His faith. I, I get excited every time. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to go to the, one of the golden scriptures that we've been going over. It's in the book of Romans in the fourth chapter. I'm going to start at verse 16. And as you're going to Romans chapter 4, and I'm going with you, I want you to notice something, what Paul does when he uses to describe faith in the Bible. What does he do? He goes to the scriptures, doesn't he? You notice Jesus used a lot of the scriptures when you read the Proverbs and you read the Psalms. 
especially to Proverbs. You'll see him talking about things in Proverbs when he talks about the treasure of your heart. It goes back to Proverbs 18, you know, death and life's in the power of the tongue and how you fill your spirit and how you fill your belly with the increase of your lips. And then he talks about a good man out of the good treasures of his heart will speak and good things will come out. And Paul uses scriptures to talk about faith. People of faith use the word of God to talk about faith. They use examples from the Bible to talk about faith. It's an exciting thing. And uh, it's no different with Paul. And if you go to the book of Romans, to the fourth chapter, we're going to talk about great-grandpa Abraham. I'm telling you, he's our great-grandpa. He's known as the father of our faith, right? So verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be grace to the end of the promise, to be sure to all the seed. That's you and me. All the seed. All the seed. Not to only that which is of the law, but that to also which is of faith. The faith of Abraham. That blessing, that gospel that the Lord gave to Abraham. Who is the father of us all? Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. And he what? He calls things that be not as though they are. God must be delusional then. Because he calls things that be not as though they are. I'm telling you, when you're walking by faith, some people are going to look at you and you think you're delusional. No, I'm not delusional. Faith is the highest form of reality. I'm simply using faith. God lives this way. Our daddy lives this way. He calls things as be not as though they are. So I want you to think one second right now. Where do you want to be five years from now? Where do you want to be five years from now? Call it right now. Call it right now. Where do you want your marriage? Where do you want your finances? Where do you want your health? Where do you want to be right now? Think about it and just call it right now. This is where I decide to be right now. I've already done it earlier today. I called where I'm going to be. But call it right now. Where do you want to be five years from now? Call it out. Go ahead. Call it out. Think about it. Call it out. Yes. Call it out. I come in agreement in the name of Jesus. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. He'll start talking to you as you start spending time with God, spending time in the scriptures, right? Getting that peace of God on you. The Holy Spirit will start talking to you. And then when you walk out there, he'll put you in the right place at the right time. Oh, my goodness. Can I share a manual story? He's going to get a job. He's on his way to get a job. He don't even have a car. He's walking on his way to get a job. And as he's walking to go to this interview, the Holy Spirit stops him in his tracks. He turns. He sees this car dealership. He tells him to go over there. He walks in. There just happens to be a Christian man working there that owns the place. He walks right up, just happens to be in the right place at the right time. And he says, I don't know why I'm coming in here, but can you you give me a job? And the guy says, you know what? I don't know why I'm hiring you, but yeah, go ahead. Come on and work here. For the next four months, he was a top salesman. He got a car. He was a top salesman there. Now the Lord's got him wheels. He's got a job. Things are going on. He's in the right place at the right time. And all it was was just by spending time with God. And then he's out and about walking. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit tells him where to be so he's in the right place at the right time so he can seize that opportunity. This is what faith does. I don't care how God's going to do it. I just got to trust and know he's going to do it. Man, I mean, it gets exciting. God calls things that be not as though they were. Look at Abraham, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. You and I are of Christ. Therefore, we are 
the seeds of Abraham. Hallelujah. When God took Abraham up and showed him those stars in that vision, you were I were part of that vision. He was showing Abraham what he wanted to do with us. Hallelujah. We fit in that vision. Hallelujah. In verse 19, and not being weak in faith. That means he strengthened over time. Okay. He didn't consider his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So we learned, what did he do? He made a choice, right? He just chose to believe that blessing. He just chose to walk in it. He chose to believe it, right? And so God changed his name to Abraham. Hello, father of many nations. What's your name? Father of many nations. He kept giving him all these things. He kept believing it. He decided to walk in the blessing. I have decided to walk in the blessing. I've just decided to walk in it. That's it. I'm fed up with living in darkness. I'm fed up with the way the world's running things. I'm just going to decide. I've just now chosen. You know, I mean, we have just been working on this as a body of believers here. And for the last few years, I've just chosen to walk in the blessing. And what a difference it's done to my life. What a difference it's done to my family. I'm like, man... We're flying back. We're getting ready to land last night. And the pilot comes on over here. He says, there's going to be rough turbulence from now on, from the rest of the way, the rest of the way down. My wife and I looked at each other. We're like, we don't want this. Boom, big bump on the airplane. It already starts shaking right away. You know, seatbelt signs. You can see everybody just like their eyes get glowing like really big because the plane's going up and down. And we just looked at each other. We said, in the name of Jesus, we just command that the winds be calm in Jesus' name. And then, I, then the Holy Spirit just said this. Go like this. Go, shh. So I'm going like this. Shh. And then I just closed my eyes and we just went back. And it just smoothed right out. And we wanted, I'm just going to believe that God's going to do it. I'm just going to believe that the word's going to work. That's what I'm just going to do, right? I'm just going to believe it now. I'm not going to argue with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to fight with him anymore. I'm just going to believe. He didn't stagger. And I like that word in verse 20. He didn't stagger. That means there's a process. There's a time. He's growing. He's growing, right? He didn't wax old. He didn't wane. He waxed. Not as, you know, he didn't stagger to the promise of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, and he gave glory to God, right? And he was fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. And as Pastor Justin began to pray today, when he first started in our prayer session here before service, he was talking about how the Lord is faithful. He's faithful. I just trust his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Mm, trust his faithfulness. People of faith will use the word of God to define their lifestyle. We use the word to define our lifestyle. We don't try to adjust the word to fit our lifestyle. And that's why a lot of Christians have problems. That's why when I first started this, I had problems. But then I just surrendered, because we talked about surrender here when we were worshiping. I just decided to surrender. I'm just going to surrender to the Word of God and uh, let my life fit its lifestyle. The Word consider, he made a quality decision, not to trust the facts, but to stay focused on the promises. Right? 2 Corinthians 4.18, right? We don't focus on the things that we see going on around us, the circumstances that are happening around us, we don't focus on that, right? We focus on what the Word says. We focus on what can change the condition, right? So I'm not going to let the circumstances change the condi- you know, control me. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to let the Word of God, right? I'm going to let His Word be my focus, so I'm going to use His Word to change the circumstances, 
so that they line up with what God said and what the Word says. And it takes practice, right? So the more you get familiar with the Word of God, the closer you get to the Word of God, the more you fall in love with the Word of God, right? It begins to fall back in love with you. And what happens is you begin to trust it. And once you start to begin to trust it, oh, man, look out. Because that's when your focus gets really sharp. And that's what he did. Faith is the highest form of reality. That's what changes the conditions. There's testimonies all over this church. There's testimonies all over the word of God. I mean, if I were to pick out anyone in here, I probably we could be here all night hearing testimonies about how God was faithful and how faith changed the condition, right? Faith is the highest form of reality. Facts do not determine our lives. It may be a fact that something is going on, right? But we're going to use our faith that God has given us, and we're going to change the conditions. And we're going to be talking about great faith tonight. He didn't stagger, right? He didn't weaken over faith over time, right? He didn't wane. He was strong in faith, increased in faith over time by praising and glorifying God. And this is where I have to sometimes at home just grab myself by the ear and just start praising the Lord and just start worshiping him. Man, what a wonderful time it is when you start doing that. I'll be praising the Lord and the peace of God will come on me. You ever notice that when you're in a troubled situation? And you just begin to cry out. And you just begin to praise the Lord. And you just begin to enter in. All of a sudden, that peace that passes all understanding, all my thinking, all that I could ever think, that peace just comes over me as I'm praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, that burden, that monkey that's on my back that's trying to just run rampant all over me, it just, it's gone. And then I sit down. And and the Holy Spirit's funny because a lot of times, as soon as I sit down in the chair, he tells me something, and I get up and go do it. And then I'll do it, and I'll sit down in the chair, and then he'll say something else, and then I'll get up, and then I'll go do it. And that's what happens when you spend time with the Lord. You you spend time fellowship. Daddy wants to be with you. The other day, I heard the Holy Spirit when I woke up. He says, I just want to spend time with you today. And, I mean, I just started crying. The Lord wanted to hang out with me. I I just, man, I'm telling you, you just get excited when these moments happen. What does it mean when you believe something? I heard Dr. Savelle say this one time years ago, and I loved it. When you believe in something, you immerse yourself into it. You immerse into it, like jumping into a pool. You immerse into it. So if you're going to immerse yourself into the promises of God, if you're going to immerse yourself It's going to just saturate in you. You're going to be saturated. You're going to be soaking wet, dripping in that presence. And so when you get into the scriptures, when you get into the word of God, and you saturate yourself in it, you become a winner. When I was in the, thank you, you just reminded me of something. When I was in the military, (laughs) we had all these guys get up, you know. We were at officer, uh, squadron officer school down in in Alabama, and, um, they had all these different uh, guys coming in, talking about all the different weapon systems and all that, and all these different generals. And then all of a sudden comes this Marine sergeant in, and he says, you know what the, the most powerful weapon in our military is? And he puts up a slide, and it's a Marine standing there with a machine gun and a backpack. He says, this is the most powerful weapon in the world. And then he just goes on, and he ex- describes about what we're going to do to you and what we turn you into. And that's what happened when I joined the Army. Man, I came in with long hair. <laughs> If you can imagine that, long hair and uh, blue jeans and all that. By the end of the night, I had Army underwear, Army T-shirt, Army this, Army that. My hair was all cut off. I'm walking around with a can- I looked like a soldier. I was immersed. And believe me, after about three to four months in that heavy basic training, you came out a soldier. Uh, uh, uh. 
I mean, you were, let's go, let's go, let's go. And what would make a man want to take and charge a machine gun hill? Think about it. Why do these guys want to do it? You get immersed in it so much you begin to believe it. You, you begin to understand who you are. And when you begin to immerse yourself, you get, I'm telling you what, the devil is afraid of you guys. He is afraid of you guys. I mean, look at you. You're a power pack and soldier for the Lord. You're in the army of Christ, and you're armed with the measure of faith. He's afraid of you, and you got that banner on you. And it goes before you. He is afraid of you so much. He does not want you to believe in the blessing. He does not want you to choose to walk by faith. So immerse yourself. Oh, listen to this. Listen to this. We are designed by God to be carriers of faith. We're designed by God to be carriers of his faith. This is how God created us. This is how he created the universe. This is what time and space and matter was made for. It was made by God for you and I to sow and reap. If you could please put up Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 15. Mm. Man, I love Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I spent days, weeks meditating in this. There is generational sowing. There is family sowing. There is national sowing. There is individual sowing. I mean, we sow on different levels. As a community, we sow. As a nation, we sow. As a family, you sow. As an individual, you sow. Things you're doing now will have an impact on your family. Okay, if you don't believe me, read the Bible. Look what happened to Joab when he killed that one. When he, when he got in that fight, got mad and killed uh, Saul, who was that? Saul's um, bodyguard, right? He wound up killing him. And um, David said, man, now that curse is on your family. The generations got blessed. I mean, not blessed, got cursed as a result of that. So when you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and you read verse 15, look at what that scripture says. That which is now already has been. And that which is to be already has been. And God seeks that which has passed by so that history repeats itself. Sowing and reaping. This universe was designed by God. Time, space, light be. Time and space came into existence. Matter came into existence. Sowing and reaping came into existence, right? So that you and I can operate by faith at a level like God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So that you can create and operate through the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, by his word, by your mouth speaking, and operate just like God. That's why time and space was created. And that's why history always repeats itself over and over again. Because people sow corruption, you get corruption. It doesn't matter how big technology gets or how high we're going to get in technology. If you're going to sow corruption, you're going to reap it. That's just how it is. You're trapped in it. You're stuck in it. And I just came to the conclusion of it. I'm going to live by what I say. I'm going to live by what I believe. Because that's how God designed it. And the devil's stuck with it also. That's why he's put so much pressure on you and pressure situations. Because he wants to get you to say something. He's trying to get you to give over your faith so that he can take it and run with it. So that he can take control of your circumstances. But man, if you stand there, it don't matter how you feel. So if you're in a... This is very important, and I was speaking with the Holy Spirit, and he wanted to make sure that I say this to you all. You're in a pressure situation. Be careful what you speak. The pressure is going to come on. So now you know, man, I must be in a really unique position because there's a lot of pressure on me to speak. When you're qualified to speak, that's when you speak, okay? All right. Give your words instruction. And I want to say something about that scripture because that which is will be and that which has been already was. A 747 airplane, your cell phones, they would have worked back in the days of Columbus, just as good as they work now. 
The only difference was they hadn't been thought of and created yet. Time and space was created for us to sow and reap, okay? Man, when you start spending time in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and you understand the blessing, you begin to understand how sowing and reaping works. Sometimes there's going to be destruction that happens. Sometimes there's going to be building that happens. But if these things are going on, the Holy Spirit will tell you what side of the blessing you're on when these things are happening and how to avoid these things. Mm, mm, mm. All right, Laurel, i, I got to keep going. I don't want to get stuck on that. So, um, But give your words instructions, just like a maple tree gives instructions to its seed. And we're going to read some scriptures here where you're going to see where Jesus is talking about Lego. He's talking about a word, and he's talking the Greek word epin, which is, you know, speaking a command and giving instructions to your words. Give instructions to your words. Think about that before you speak. Give instructions to your word and then speak them how you want them to be. Give instructions to your words. Give instructions to your word. A seed, when it's put, the ground knows what to do with the seed, right? Do you tell the ground what to do? It knows what to do, man. And so does the seed. That germination process starts when it's put in the right condition, right? This church is the right place, guys. I'm telling you right now. When I pray to the Holy Ghost, he keeps bringing Psalms 107 up to me, okay? He keeps talking about environment, okay? And he keeps telling me, I'm the one that can take a fruitful land and a barren land and I can make it fruitful or I can make it barren. In other words, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I can take all that money that's out there and all this prosperity you see them living, and I can suck it right out of their hands. And I can turn that stuff into a dry desert. And I can turn your desert place that the world's tried to put you in and the devil's tried to put you in, okay? And I can turn it into a fruitful land. Oh, and then we'll build a city for habitation because you're hungry and you want to dwell there. You want to have children. You want to have families. You want to plant vineyards. You want to sow fields. This is the place, man. God has chosen this place right here to be an outreach and an outcrop. And I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm supporting Pastor Justin and Pastor Nett, what the Lord's telling them to do. And just like um, in Exodus chapter 17, you know, her and Aaron, you know, lifting up those hands, fighting those Amalekites. We support that vision. The Lord's going to support that blessing. I'm telling you, it's going to run through us. So we're going to support that blessing on this church. We're going to support that vision of this church that the Lord has given the pastors. And we're going to go out there and we're going to do this. And the Holy Spirit asked me to do this, okay? Everybody here, I just want you to do this. Each one, get one. Each one, bring one, okay? If every person, and, and the way the Holy Spirit said this, the woman at the well, right? Jesus just comes, he sits down at the well, and here comes this woman at the well. And the Holy Spirit starts talking to Jesus. He starts talking to the woman. And the next thing you know, half the whole town is being ministered to by Jesus. It, he, the right woman was at the right place. Jesus was in the right place. In the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to set up an encounter for you. I heard it so strongly. And the Holy Spirit, each one reach one. The Holy Spirit's going to set up an encounter for you. Amen. You don't have to. He'll set it up. Amen. I mean, he will set it yes, up. Okay? And you'll be there, and that conversation will start happening. And he'll give you the right words to say, just like he did that woman at the well. Amen. Okay? And she'll, they'll look at you. Man, and the Holy Spirit will open up. I mean, I took the, a couple weeks ago, I took the tablecloths of the church to wash at a laundromat 
And as we're sitting down, the guy next to us, the Lord opens up an opportunity. And the next thing you know, we're standing in a laundromat with everybody looking at us, watching us, praying over this guy for the blessing. And he texts us back the next day and he says, already in the workplace, he's seen miracles and blessings happen. Each one bring one. I know this guy's going to come here. I know he's going to come here. The Lord set it up. I know the Holy Spirit's going to set up an encounter for you. I know he's going to do it. He's going to set one up. Each one's going to bring one, okay? They're going to get to experience God through you. I get so excited because this is how the Holy Spirit sets things up, okay? But thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. All right. I want to say what knowledge is really quick here. I used to like what I heard Dr. Savell. He'd get these words, and he would take them, and then he'd make his own definitions. He would take the definition, but then he'd make it his and make his own. So I did that with the word knowledge. Knowledge is when you fall in love with the word of God. You just fall in love with his word. You get intimate with his word. I mean, you just sing his words. You hum his words. You just thank him. You just praise him in his words. And you just get intimate with that word. And man, the Holy Spirit says, I'll bring that word to your remembrance, right? And I'll show you things to come. That's what knowledge is. And when you get that, that's what your faith is going to build up in. I'm not going to go there, but I'll just read these off because these are some of our golden key scriptures. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Hebrews 10, 38-39, Galatians 3-11. How do the just live? By faith. God, get excited. We're just like Jesus. We're just like Daddy. The just live by faith. The righteous, the ones who have Christ, we're the ones that live by faith. We're the ones that change the condition. We're the one that walks into a room and changes it, right? Faith is not a movement, right? It's a lifestyle. We chose to live in the, we choose to live in the blessing. We don't draw back. We don't quit. We walk in it. Hebrews eleven sixteen, right? Let's go to Hebrews eleven oh, six. Hebrews eleven six, and I'm going to go through these scriptures just so you can put your eyes on them. Hebrews eleven six. I got the King James version, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. God lives by faith. We live by faith, right? For he that comes to God must believe he's faithful, right? You've got to believe he's faithful. You've got to get intimate with that word. You've got to get intimate with that knowledge of his word, right? You've got to believe that he's faithful, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, that he's going to reward you. The Lord defends the righteous. That's why I like Psalms 511 so much. When I'm Speak in the name of Jesus. When I'm bringing Jesus into the situation, I get excited because I know the Lord's going to defend me. I know he's going to defend his word. I don't have to do it. He defends his word. I just get excited. I put trust in his name. I, ugh, when you speak it, when you have trust in it, it happens. John eight twenty nine. John eight twenty nine. So we're going to go backwards. John eight twenty nine. Okay. Jesus is speaking. John eight twenty nine. In the King James Version, he that sent me is with me. You're not alone. God's not going to abandon you. I know it might seem like it. I know the pressure is going to be on a lot of times. I know it's going to be maybe a lonely feeling. I know a thousand thoughts are going to try to probably run through your head. But you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is right there. He's there. He's right there. Okay? Mm, I'm not going to forsake you. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, 
For I do always those things that please him. Jesus walked by faith. He understood it. He walked by it. You got Jesus in you. I'm so excited because this body of believers right here has Jesus in you. You got Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with you. You got the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. No different. You got the same measure of faith Jesus had. I mean, no difference. Hallelujah. 1 John 5.4. 1 John 5.4. In the back of the Bible, 1 John 5.4. This is a favorite verse of Heritage of Faith. It's a favorite verse of JSMI. Favorite verse. You'll hear Dr. Savell say this one all the time. 1 John 5, 4. Well, whosoever is born of God, are you born of God? Hallelujah. Then you're what? You're a world overcomer. You're a world changer, right? Because you're born of God. That's that power pack that's in you, right? And the Lord's designed it so that you win, okay? And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? In verse 5, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There you go. You get intimate. You love him, right? You get into that and you love it. So faith is a lifestyle, right? Faith is how God lives. Hmm. Faith is how we overcome the world. All right. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, the Apostle Paul, and I'm just, I'll, just, I'll just go to it really fast. I just get excited because Paul is a faith preacher. Paul is a faith preacher. Jesus was a faith preacher. What did the Bible say in Mark chapter 4? He went and started preaching in his doctrine. And what was his doctrine? Faith. Take a seed and plant it. It'll grow. Take your faith and plant it. It'll grow. Jesus spoke that thing everywhere he went. He was a faith preacher. Paul was no different, right? No different. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. I want you to put your eyes on that, and I want you to see how Paul lived. He said this, But what saith it? Write the scriptures. The word is nigh thee. It's in your mouth. It's right there. It's in your heart. It's right there. The word of faith which we preach. You guys are no different than Paul. You guys and gals. I'm from Ohio, so I grew up in Ohio, so you're all guys. That's how we talk. Guys, you're no different than Paul. You are preachers, carriers of the word, carriers of faith. All right, so now we're going to start talking about great faith. What is great faith, right? Great faith. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Hallelujah, Lord. Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to go to verse 5. And we'll go through verse 15. He just got done healing a leper, right? Told him, hey, it's what I like to do. It's what I'm, I was created and designed to do, to heal. So he just answered that question, right? And so now in verse 5, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. This is a Roman officer. This is, a, this is one tough, hardened battle dude, okay? He's a general. He's in charge of a bunch of soldiers. It, it could be a number of soldiers from 100 to 1,000, just depending on what type of cohort he was commanding. But he's a centurion, so he's an officer, right? And he's beseeching the Lord. He actually has respect for Jesus. I want you to see this. He calls him Lord, okay? Now, he grew up in an environment that worshipped all kinds of funny, funky gods, right? I mean, just weird stuff. And he could get in trouble just for saying and calling Jesus Lord. But he saw something in Jesus. He saw the Lord working through him. So he had respect for him when he came up to him, and he called him Lord. Okay? And he said, Lord, my servant 
He lies at home and he's sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. He's left for dead. It's the same word that is used like when you cast something. He's just cast for dead, right? And he's grievously tormented. I mean, whatever this sickness of of palsy was on him was so bad, right? That, I mean, he was constant pain, constant torture, okay? And he's left for dead, right? And Jesus says unto him, I'll come heal him. Boy, doesn't, don't you think that would have really freaked everybody out? But he understands Jewish law, right? He says, no, he, he didn't say he's unworthy because he's a sinner and a, a worm and no good. He says, I'm worthy because he understood Jesus. He must have done some studying about Jesus, about prophets, about the Jews, right? Because he understood their custom. I know you can't come under my house. I understand that. I don't want to cause problems. And what's he do? What does this centurion do? He uses a word here. Mm. He says, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. It's a Greek word, right? It means speak, like a command, the word. He says, I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. I have soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes. And I say to another man, come, and he comes. He says to my servant, do this, and he does it, right? So when Jesus heard this, he marveled. It's the same word marvel that that the people were doing when they saw Jesus healing. Can you imagine you and I are marveling Jesus sometimes when we listen to the Holy Spirit and we speak his word and we use his faith and things happen? Jesus marvels over us. I mean, think about that. Jesus marvels over you when you walk in faith and you please him. He marvels. Can you imagine what the angels are thinking up in heaven? Can you imagine that? Hallelujah. He marvels, right? And when he, when he, mar- he said this, he said, Truly I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not even in Israel. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west. They'll sit down with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom. And then he talks about the guys that aren't going to follow and get born again, what happens to them. Think of this. He's talking about Gentiles being able to partake of this, you and I. But I want you to notice some key things here about great faith. Okay, first of all, he respected the Lord. He had respect for him. He understood his, his ways. Called him Lord, okay. Beseeched him, came up to him, gave him honor, gave him respect. Okay, And it's something that we need to remember that when we're hanging around the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit instructed me to say this, okay? Because this is one of the things that I, I work on a lot with the Holy Spirit about respect. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. Amen. Do it. Amen. Okay? I, I've been, there have been times when I've argued with them and then missed it, okay? And then later forgot about it and missed the opportunity because I didn't do it when he said it. Have respect for the Lord. Just when the Holy Spirit says it, do it, okay? You may not understand. That's okay. He's supposed to show you things to come. That's his job, right? You may not understand why he's telling you to do it now. I had a friend of mine, when I was in Cape Cod, we agreed to do this. We're going to start listening to the Holy Spirit. As soon as he says do something, do it. So one of his friends wanted this baby chair. Well, he found this, this carrying chair for the baby, you know, a car seat. And their friend was looking for it. And the lady didn't want it anymore. So she just put it, happened to put it outside. Say, anyone wants it, take it. And it was a beautiful baby chair. And his friends were looking for one. And um, the Holy Spirit said, get it. Now, we had just talked about respecting the Lord, having respect for him, listening to the Holy Spirit when he says to do something, right? So he stops what he's doing. All right, he goes out and he gets it. Well, two minutes later, a garbage truck comes around and would have taken it and it would have been lost. So he came back and he told me. See, we, under, we started to understand to have respect for the Lord. So that's what great faith does. It has respect for the Lord. And I can guarantee you, the way you think the Lord's going to do it is probably not the way he's going to handle it. Okay, It's probably not going to be the way he does it. 
Okay, So you're just going to have to release your faith and trust the Lord and let the Holy Spirit guide you. And just be sensitive to the voice. Now, but now here's the cool thing. What happens if I miss his voice? What do you do? 1 John, right? Chapter 1 John, the first chapter there, verse 9. Oh, man, Holy Spirit. Man, that was dumb. That was a stupid thing to do, right? Forgive me, Lord. And he'll cleanse you of that unrighteousness, and your heart gets soft again. So you'll always be in that condition to where you'll always be pliable. You'll always be respectful to the Holy Spirit because he'll show you things to come. God wants you in the boardroom. He wants you in the boardroom. He wants you leading and guiding. He wants you in places of position and authority in this community and at your workplace. He will lead you and he will guide you in the name of Jesus. I just hear this so strongly from the Lord. He's going to put you in key places. There are key things that are coming up in society. There are key things that are going to happen. He sees it in time. The Holy Spirit sees it, and he's maneuvering you. He's leading you so that you'll be in that right place at that right time. So when the moment comes, you'll seize it. Okay? This is what great faith is. Just simply being obedient to the Holy Spirit and being respectful to him. Great faith is also this. Total dependence on the word of God. What did he say? I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers that work under me. And believe me, a lot of us in here have been in the military. Oh, yeah. When they say a word, it gets done. It'll get done because there's serious repercussions if you don't. He understands. He knows that. He says, I'm a man of authority. It's the authority that they respect, right? All you got to do is give the word. Man, total reliance on the word of God. Imagine that. The Lord is pleased with us because it says it in his promise. I believe it, Lord, now. Your word is good enough. Your word is good enough. Your word is good enough. That's all I need. Great faith means no other evidence outside of the word of God is needed. So write that down. Great faith is total dependence on the reliance of God's word. Great faith is total dependence on reliance of God's word. You saw that with the Roman centurion. Great faith means no other evidence outside of the word of God is needed. You're not moved by the circumstances or the senses, right, of your body. The word of God is the highest form of reality, and we talked about that. Now, if I see a train coming down the train track, and my body tells me a train's coming down the train track, I'm not going to try to beat the thing. I ain't going to tempt God, right? Okay, I'm not going to be stupid. But at the same time, if the enemy tries to put an attack on me, and my body's got a sickness that's trying to invade my body, and my body's trying to be rebellious, I say, "Uh uh-uh, body, we're not going to be rebellious in the name of Jesus. Thank you for telling me that this certain symptom has attacked me, but I'm not going to allow its circumstances to control me. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to change the situation. I'm going to rely on the word of God. And when I speak it, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to mean it when I say it. Out in the name of Jesus. Body, rebuke this in Jesus' name. I don't want it in me. You are not designed to do this. We are designed to be carriers of the light of life of Christ. We were designed to house my spirit and to house the blessing. You were not designed to carry sickness. Now, about other people, what they choose to do, that, you know, that's going to be their decision. But I choose to walk in the blessing. Amen. Faith shows honor, right? If you honor God, he'll honor you. Now, it talks about that in Samuel. Where the Lord says, if you, through, through Samuel, he says, if you give God little esteem, he's going to give you little esteem. And Jesus said, man, if you're ashamed of my words then what what do you expect the Father to do when you start crying out for him in those situations? Man, if you'll let the Holy Spirit, he'll give you a word to say, the right word in the right situation at the right time. He'll give it to you. 
Hallelujah. All right. You can develop great faith with respect and honor. They go hand in hand. You can't do it without it, okay? You have to respect those around you. We all got to work on that. You got to respect everybody around you. It's just something you got to do. Faith works by love. Great faith works by love. And if there's no love, and like Paul is saying, you got all these miracles, you got all these revelations and all this, it ain't going to work because this is going to be like a clanging cymbal, right? You just got to have love. That's just how it is. It's how it's designed. So I'm just glad that God's merciful. Thank you so much, Lord, for, for Hesed, for being merciful to me. Amen in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Here's another thing about great faith. It's achieved so that others may benefit from the, from the goodness of God. That's the other reason for great faith. Did you see what happened with that man's faith to his servant? He got healed. Now, what we're going to do is, is we're going to, I want to go to Mark 11. I want to go to Mark 11. This, these set of scriptures get me excited. I love taking this into the prison and talking to these to the guys of the prison. I just love these, what Jesus does in this. Mark 11, I'm going to go to verse 12 through 14, and then I'm going to go to verse 22 to 25. So Mark 11, <clears throat> chapter 12. And on the morrow, when they were come to Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. So he sees a fig tree afar off, and it has leaves, so the leaves are tender. He's expecting fruit on this tree, right? He comes up, maybe there's some fruit on it. But what happens? He doesn't find any fruit on it, okay? So when he comes to it and finds nothing, because that tree of that fig wasn't there, it didn't have any on it, right? So what's he do? It says Jesus responds here, he answers, something's going on. And so he says, he makes, and there's that Greek word, Ipen, right? He says, no man eat fruit from you again. So he takes his word. He puts his seed and instruction inside the word. And then he speaks it with the authority that, he, that was given him of the father. And that's it. Total reliance on the word. That's all he did. He just spoke it. He spoke the desired outcome, what he wanted. He didn't go over and over it again a hundred times. He just said it. No man eat fruit from you again. Okay? So, and then what's he do? He walks away. <laughs> he, as far as he was concerned, what? That was done. What he spoke was going to happen. It was going to take place. He didn't need any other evidence. He didn't need to stand around for a while and watch. He didn't need to say, boy, I still got pain. Do you know how many times the devil's going to keep poking that pain in you to see if you'll back down? What does a bully do? A bully's going to keep pushing you until you tell him to go, right? So I don't care if the pain is there. And I say this to my body. Thank you, body. I know you were designed with the ability to send a sense to my brain so I can hear it. I got it. I heard you. Okay. Now I'm going to talk to you in the name of Jesus. The word is the highest form of reality. In the name of Jesus, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, body, I command you to stop being rebellious. Spit this thing out in the name of Jesus. I command you, body, spit it out. I'm not going to allow it to be in my vessel in Jesus' name. And then I'm going to go away from it, and I'm going to leave. I'm done. And, and if it tries to creep up again, I, I ignore it. I, hey, we're good at ignoring people. I'm going to ignore it. Now, in my praise time with the Holy Spirit, 
as I'm worshiping the Lord. The word of the Lord will come to me, and if he tells me to go to the doctor, then I'll go to the doctor. Hallelujah. I've gone to doctors. Doctors are in the healing business, right? But I am going to speak the desired outcome, and my faith is growing, so I know the desired, what that desired outcome is going to be. I know it in the name of Jesus. Jesus knew it, and he walked away from it. That's great faith. Total reliance on the word that he spoke. Now we're going to go back down here to verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Remember I tell you how I like Peter? Because Pete, Pete's always either getting into trouble, right? Or he's always saying the wrong thing or the stupid thing at the wrong time, right? And so it got to the point to where he asked, he asked John to ask, who's the guy that's going to betray him, you know? I think Peter got to the point of being embarrassed so much sometimes. He's like, he asked John, John, ask him, ask him, you know? But I mean, Peter says, hey, Jesus, look at this. Look at this fig tree, man. Dude, look at it. It's dried up from the roots. Peter called to remember, Master, look at it. What's Jesus do in verse 22? He says this. He says, have God's kind of faith. Have faith in God. That comes from that knowledge, that personal time, right, that we've learned so much here, that we've been going through these faith experiences, your encounters with God. Have faith in God, right? You got the measure of faith. You got God's kind of faith. So now have faith in that process that he's designed. He's designed it so that it gets in you and it comes out of your mouth and so that it will happen when you speak it. Jesus designed it that way. God designed it that way. He created the universe. He created matter to operate that way, okay? The scientists are just catching up to this. They're catching up to this stuff. They finally will. Okay, so, Jesus says, have faith in God. For truly I say unto you, who's a whosoever? We are. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now that word say there, he's he's talking about taking a word. Whosoever shall say to the mountain. Now does he say, be thou removed and be cast into the sea? How do you think he said that? No, he was saying it with authority. How did that Roman centurion say that when he came to Jesus? He said it with authority. When you have faith in God and you're intimate with that promise and you're intimate with that word, right? When you're qualified to speak and you're ready to throw that punch, be, and it comes out with sting behind it. And the devil feels it when you cold cock him with it. And he's like, hey, this dude's for real, man. This girl's for real. Okay? Get yourself in a faith position. Be qualified to speak. Wait for the word to speak. It'll come. The Holy Spirit promised you, right? Jesus promised you that the Holy Spirit will give you the word to say, the right word at the right time, okay? So, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And he means it when he says it. He's not doubting, right? When when he's saying it, he means business, man. I mean, if you're president and you give an order, do you think it's going to get carried out? Yes, if you're a person in a position of authority, God's given you the badge of his authority, right? He's given you his word and his armament, right? He's given you permission to use his word. He's given you permission to use his authority, right? He's given it to us. He's given us the permission. So you say it and you mean it when you speak it. Out of here in Jesus' name. And then just like Jesus, you just walk away. You just believe those things which you say will come to pass. Now, I don't know how long it's going to happen, I just know it's going to happen. But I tell you what, like we've been learning from all the people of faith, if you're willing to stand forever, it's going to happen quick, right? It's just going to happen, right? It will come to pass. You will have 
whatsoever you say, whatsoever you command, right? So Jesus says, therefore I say unto you. <laughs> That's so cool. Whatever things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, you've got to be in love, and you've got to ask for forgiveness, too, okay? And that's one of the other key things. Again, faith works by love, okay? So the Holy Spirit will bring it up to you. If there's something you need to do, he'll bring it up to you and tell you what to do as far as love is concerned, okay? He does it to me all the time, right? And um, that'll take care of that. It'll remove, my wife and I call it blessing blockers. It blocks a blessing. We don't want those blessing blockers. So the Holy Spirit will tell you when you're in prayer and you're, you're praying for something. He'll bring it to your remembrance. He'll, 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 he'll do it. He'll tell you that. I trust him. I know he's going to talk to you. I know he's going to speak to you. I know you're going to hear him. Amen. I know he's setting things up for you. I know you're going to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I know each one is going to bring one. I know we're going to come here. I know we're going to grow together as a body. I know we're all going to sow fields. I know we're going to plant vineyards. I know we're all going to reap. I know we're all going to be prosperous. I, we're living in this prosperity. I know it. I see it. It's a, it surrounds us in the name of Jesus. It's honest. That favor shield is there. Go to Luke 17. Luke 17. These are just some of the scriptures. If you go to Luke 17, verse 5, and as you're going to Luke 17, verse 5, in those first few verses, Jesus is talking about, hey, if someone comes up to you and offends you, and they ask for forgiveness, forgive them, okay? <laughs> well, what if he does it all day, and he comes back and forgive them? Forgive them. We're all growing, folks, right? right? We're all learning. We're all growing, okay? The woman caught in the act of adultery, what did Jesus do? I, I, every time I talk about faith, I think about this so much. What did Jesus do to the woman caught in the act of adultery? What did they want to do to her? They were accusing her of her fault left and right. They were just going to lambast that woman and kill her. That, that was a death penalty in those days. But what was Jesus interested in? Setting her free, right? He knew what the problem was. Oh, thank you, Jesus, so much for understanding what the problem is in my life. Yes, God. And for having mercy on me and vindicating me. Yes. Because he will. He'll show you that problem. He'll show you that area. And then he'll start working with you on it. And he'll do it with love. Oh, He'll do it with love. I I know. I know sometimes people may say things. I know they may not understand. That's okay. I love them. I pray for them. I pray for people all the time. I pray for people in the community. I pray for people that I work with all the time. I do all the time. I understand. I know the Lord is working with me. I know it. And so I love, right? So faith works by love, okay? So Jesus says, it'd be better if you were talking to the fishes, if you were going out, right? and messing with people and getting into strife and offenses, right? But you got to make sure you're forgiving, right? And so what do the disciples say? Lord, you got to increase my faith, man. <laughs> can you imagine that? you got to increase my faith. What? I, this is what we got to do? I can imagine them thinking they're all going to hell or something like that because he's talking about talking to the fishes and it was better if you weren't alive. And Jesus looks at him and what does he say in verse 6? He says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, Okay? Holy Spirit must have wanted to say that to somebody out there. So, amen. Just take that and run with it. Okay? And um, what did you get when you got born again? The measure of faith. If you have faith as a seed of, of a mustard seed, right? Faith the size of that. If you just had a measure of faith, you might say to that sycamine tree, and those things have big roots, 
And if you ever try to pull a tree out by the roots, ooh, boy. And he said, you could look at that sycamine tree, and you might say, so he's using this as an example, be thou plucked up and be thrown into the sea. Just be plucked up out of here. And what would it do? It will obey you, okay? So what's going to do it? The word, right? My faith mixed with the word, right? It's a catalyst. Your faith in the word of God is a catalyst, okay? And that's what causes this to work, okay? Then he goes down, and it's real interesting how he gets into this. He talks about a servant, right? In verse 7, Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when he comes in from the field, go, sit down to have meat. No, wouldn't you rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, gird yourself, serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Faith is going to do its job. Let it do its job, okay? Let it work. Let it do its job. You command it. You say the commands. You know the command's going to work. You're a person under authority. Jesus is a person under authority. The Roman centurion understood authority. He understood about spoken words. He understood about serving. He understood that servants have to serve until it's done, right? Okay? So he knows once the word is spoken, it's going to be done. It's going to do its job. So you tell that servant to do its job. I know my faith is out there working. I know it's opening doors. I know it's moving things. It's doing everything that I've declared already. I know it's doing it. And I'm not going to be satisfied until it's done its job, right? But I'm going to let it do it. And then he says, for us, does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when you have done all these things which are commanded you, just say, hey, we're unprofitable servants. We have done that, which is our duty to do so. And I get excited with the Holy Spirit because Jesus is talking in different ways different ways here. Basically, he's talking about faith as your servant, and also at the same time, I'm doing what God's commanded me to do. It's not because I'm so special. It's just because God designed it that way. So I'm just doing what pleases the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So what I'd like to do is just just encourage you to let you know this. When you get born again, you get the measure of faith. And if you're not born again, ask Jesus into your heart. Is there anybody here who hasn't been born again and wants to be born again? Raise your hand right now. And we'll, we'll all come together, and we'll have a hallelujah good time. Because i got to tell you something. When you get born again, ooh, glory. Holy Spirit, that Zoe life comes in on, on the inside of you. You start glowing like a light bulb, man. And people start seeing Christ in you. And Christ starts coming out of you. So you get that, that measure of faith on the inside of you, and it comes by hearing. You feed it by going over the Word of God. You just get intimate with it, and you feed it, right? And then you got to make a quality decision. And, you know, Pastor Justin talked about that ways back when he was talking about decision. you got to make that quality decision. Make that line in the sand. I'm just going to choose to live in the blessing. I'm just going to believe you guys are blessed. I'm just going to believe my brothers and sisters here are blessed. I'm believing the Lord's taking you places. I believe he's got jobs for you. I believe he's got positions of authority for you. I know he's going to do it. He's going to put you in key places, right? Herod's servants, key people, key position people were following Jesus. And they followed Jesus everywhere they went. And they gave testimonies, right? Servants of Herod. I'm telling you, key positions, right? Daniel. In these last days, Daniel, right? Three different presidents, three different kings and administrations. The Lord's putting you. He's setting you up for position. He's setting you up for places in your workplace. He's setting you up. He's setting you up. There's a time. There's a moment that's coming. He's setting you up. If there's one thing the Holy Spirit wants me to do, is he wants me to say that. He wants me to prophesy that over you. He is setting you up right now. He is setting things up right now in your workplace. Where do you want to be five years from now? You fit in this vision. You fit in this vision. You fit in that vision. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we have come together today. We have honored your word. 
You said each one reach one. You said you were going to set it up, Father. You were going to set up encounters. And just like that woman of the well, you were going to talk to us, Holy Spirit. You were going to show us things. You are setting things up for us. You've given us your measure of faith, Father. You've given us Jesus' spirit. You raised, us, you raised Jesus from the dead and you gave us that spirit. We're not anything different. We're just like Jesus. The only difference is he's the head. We're the body of that anointing. And Jesus and the Father have decided that the glory of the Lord is going to be shown in the earth through his body, through his name, through his word. And in the name of Jesus, we have great faith. It's the highest form of reality in the name of Jesus. It is the highest form of reality. All we need to do is say your word. Your word is enough. It's good enough. We have respect for you, Holy Spirit. We listen to you. So when you're setting things up and you're showing us things to come, we're sensitive to your word and we're hearing in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for allowing us to come together as a body of believers and pull because we heard things tonight. And Holy Spirit, as they go home, you're going to continue to speak to them. As they sleep tonight, you're going to continue to speak to them. They're going to remember these scriptures. They're going to remember, Father, that all you got to do is take faith, plan it by speaking it, say it and mean it when you say it, when you're qualified to speak it, and that great faith will happen. And then, Jesus, you're going to marvel at us. So I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you.